Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Hey guys, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we have kind of a little special bonus episode for you all. Uh, We have Peggy Lee here with us from Peggy Lee Creations. Welcome, Peggy. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, man. Like, the pleasure is all mine for sure. I was just thinking about how – I think it was around a year ago. I saw you on Instagram, and I kind of had been following your account for a little bit, and I was like – I should message her. Like maybe she has some like really good stories or something. And I like DM'd you. I like gathered my courage. I DM'd you on Instagram. And then like you got back with me and you're like, yeah, I have a few things, but like let me know when you're on season four of the podcast and I'll come on. And I like, I was walking my dog <laughs> and I remember like jumping up and down and being so excited. And I have anxiously and eagerly awaited this whole uh. year. <laughs> And then we got on season four, and I was like, all right, time to contact Peggy, and here you are. <laughs> Yay. So, Peggy, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your business, and kind of how you mm-hmm. tie into Buffy. Well, thank you so much again for having me on. Uh, my name is Peggy Lee, and I am a small handmade jewelry designer. Um, I didn't uh, plan on having a jewelry business, and I don't think I ever thought I would have a creative business. Um, I grew up, you know, my parents came here from Taiwan and hoped their kids would be a doctor, lawyer, right. scientist, or something <laughs> like that. And, you know, I went to school at UC Berkeley um, for a science degree, but I think I had always had sort of creative leanings. And after college, I moved to Los Angeles to be a screenwriter. And while I was there, you know, I was a huge fan of TV and film and always wanted to write stories about, um, you know, I got a job as a, as a writer, as a journalist. And um, one day I was like, okay, one of my favorite shows was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I thought to myself, how do I, you know, contact someone on the show? I want to talk to them. And I thought, I love the fashion on the show. I'll contact the costume designer and, you know, reached out to her. She was super cool. She's like, hey, come on over. And, you know, it was through meeting her that uh, my business was born. I was making jewelry for fun for, by my, you know, for myself at the time, just as a hobby. And after meeting her, um, my jewelry business was born. And we can go into more detail about that if you like. Yeah, no, definitely. That is so crazy. And like, it was, was it Cynthia Bergstrom that you'd contacted or was it? It was Cynthia Bergstrom. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. She seems phenomenal from what I've heard of her. She's amazing and she has had an amazing career. And um, when I contacted her, she was like, you know, come spend the day with me. And I was like, okay. So I spent the day with Cynthia shopping around Los Angeles for outfits for the show. And turned out she grew up in Santa Rosa, which is where I grew up. Uh, so we had an instant connection and she was super cool and so nice. And it was after I wrote the article about the show and the, and the costumes on the show that I thought to myself, Hey, I'm making jewelry. You know, I should send some in to Cynthia and see what she thinks. And so I like wrote a letter and I put some jewelry samples in the mail. I totally forgot about it. And <laughs> weeks weeks later, I get a phone call and she, it's like, "Hey, this is Cynthia. How are you? 
just wanted to let you know I gave your name to USA Today, and I think a reporter is going to be contacting you. We're, we're using your jewelry on the next season what? of Buffy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, huh, what? And a reporter from USA Today calls me and says, we hear your stuff's going to be on the next season of Buffy. Where can people buy it? That's so like, crazy. Well, on my website, of course. And I remember hanging up the phone and turning to my coworkers at the time. And I was like, I think I need to build a website. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I had nothing. I was, oh my clueless. Goodness. I, you know, I had, I didn't have a jewel, you know, any jewelry business at that time. It was literally this whole series of events that kicked it off. And an article came out in USA Today and I, I, I built a website and Peggy Lee Creations was born. Oh my goodness. That's so funny that you, I mean, I guess it was the birth of the internet. So it's one of those things you just was. don't think about very much. And then you're like, oh, like people need to contact me. That's, that would be, yeah. I would, I would be like, like equal, equal parts terrified and like, oh, okay, here we go. I mean, I don't even think PayPal existed back then. I'm, I'm showing my age. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. The internet was fairly new yeah. and e-commerce was fairly new, you know, so it, it, there was definitely a learning curve about sort of like how to, how to make this happen. But it was also a really great time because fans were just figuring out like to get information, they could get information about their favorite shows on the internet and, and fandoms were being, um, were connecting online. So it was a really, really cool time to sort of be involved in that. And, and I also think at the time, you know, it wasn't necessarily that cool to be, have stuff on TV or have, you know, brands weren't really trying to get their stuff on TV. It wasn't considered Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, as as prestigious maybe as it is now. Um, So I think Cynthia, I was really surprised that someone like reached out and said like, Hey, I'd love you for you to use my work on your show. And she was so supportive. She literally, you know, was just like, Peggy, send me everything you have. Just, just send me whatever you have and, and we'll see if we can use it. That's so awesome. So cool. I know that's something that I have done a little bit of research into like kind of the mindset that she had with picking pieces and stuff. And it seemed like Mm -hmm. she tried to shop not only at thrift stores, but at like name brand places that were a little smaller and a little more niche. Um, And she Mm -hmm. had a real eye on what was going to be in for the next season, not necessarily the season they were in. And so in a lot of ways, Buffy was very fashion forward. Um, And so it's just really cool to think that she saw your pieces and was like, yeah, that's what I see. I envision for Buffy. And I was looking up, so your, I know your pieces were in season four, right? Correct. Um, what other seasons did you have pieces in? Uh, through five and, and six as well. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think all this, essentially all the seasons that Cynthia, Cynthia worked on and yeah, I think yeah, she yeah. left before the final season. Yeah. She was um, gone in season seven. Yeah. And I think, I think like what you mentioned, I think most people don't realize, right. Is that shows are shot, you know, several months before they appear on TV. So there is like a weird sort of time gap between uh, when she was actually buying the clothes and then when they appear on TV and then when, you know, fans would go like, oh, I wish I could get that piece. It might already be sold out in the stores. So I think what I discovered um, for my business was like, I, I could anticipate what was going to be on, you know, might appear. And because I'm a small business, I had the flexibility of maybe you know, being prepared and having pieces available for fans to be able to buy um, once they saw it on TV. So that was, that was really fun um, to be able to do that. And 
these days there are great sites that tell you exactly what people were wearing. And right. you know, back then it was a little bit more of a treasure hunt. I had to do to, a little bit of digging. <laughs> a bit of digging, but you're absolutely right. Um, the day I went shopping with Cynthia, we we hit some small Los Angeles boutiques, and you know, again, something you might not know is that she when she found something, she had to be able to buy two or three copies yes. you know, of the same piece. I can't even imagine. <laughs> the star, of course, is the main actor. And then there's usually a stunt double. And then you usually want an extra just in case something gets damaged or something gets altered for the scene. So, you know, you might find some, she might find something she loved, but if it, she couldn't get multiples of it, then she couldn't, she couldn't take it. So um, that was something really fun to learn behind the scenes and sort of see what goes on. It, and I think back then, you know, I think today, not many shows are shot in Hollywood anymore or like in yeah. Los Angeles. Right. Um, so yeah, the fashion really benefited from being right I mean, there. She literally shopped in shows in, uh, in stores in Los Angeles. So it really was sort of like a really fashion forward in that sense. Yeah. Well, and I hadn't even thought about the fact that there's like that um, that time gap because I would imagine you're like having to look forward and be like, okay, this is going to be in in fall and we're shooting, you know, over here in spring or whatever and having mm-hmm. to like look for stuff that is um, going to be used at that point. Yeah, that would just be – that would be so much work. I have so much respect for someone who does that. Like you – I feel like you really have to have a passion for it because it's very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So talk to me a little bit about the pieces that you – so I know you said you sent over like everything you had for seasons four. Did did you have a little bit more of a hand in picking out maybe the pieces for seasons five and six, or was it the same thing like you just sent over and they picked out from there? You know, it was the same thing. And and now I can say that different costume designers, you know, all different costume designers work in their own way. And this is sure. the way Cynthia worked, where she was just very open and she would say, you know, send send what you have right now. Um, occasionally she would say, like, we love this. Can it be you know, can you send it in a different color or change something about it? But for the most part with Cynthia, um, I would just send whatever I was working on at the moment and she would send back what she wasn't going to use and keep um, pieces she thought she could use. But over the years, there have definitely been different costume designers where it's been a little bit more specific. Um, actually, a different show Cynthia was working on. She She had a pilot which is, you know, the first episode of a series. And so she had these character breakdowns that she sent over for me to work from before I sent her pieces. So that was really interesting wow. where it's like, here's, you know, this, this is this character and this is the description of her personality and her job and what she does and her style. And so then there was That's her sister so cool. who was like more boho chic. So, I, you know, that was really fun to get, you know, a peek into the characters in advance and sort of be able to send pieces that I felt reflected those different characters. Um, That's really cool. Which is really fun. And there was another project with a different costume designer who, this was for Pretty Little Liars, actually. And um, Cameron Dale said, uh, we have a plot point where a character needs a dainty pair of earrings and there's going to be a close-up. So send me a selection of small, dainty gold earrings. And I was like, okay. And uh, yeah, so there's like a shot in the show where, you know, it's a clue. It's literally a clue that someone picks up that's off the ground so and they cool. zoom in yes. and it's like, ta-da. And I was like, oh, wow, that's yes. so cool. I, I made that. <laughs> that is so cool. I think I actually remember that. I watched Pretty Little Liars forever ago when um, my daughter was first born. I think like that's got to be such a cool feeling for you as someone who you got to actually influence that character's design 
and how they look a little bit. Like, I mean, send them sending you, hey, like, we want this character, like, this is what their style is. Can you pick something that's going to fit with that? And then you design something or you send something over and then you get to watch it unfold on screen as part of this massive story. Like, that has got to be one of the coolest feelings ever, especially as someone who loves to write like you do. Mm-hmm. It, it's super surreal. Like, when stuff first appeared on Buffet One, I didn't know who would be wearing it. And so when Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Keller was wearing pieces, I was like, yeah, that. it blew my mind. It blew, it blew my right. mind. Literally things, you know, from my own hands, poof, sort of appeared on screen, which, and then like you said, you know, I'd always sort of fancied that I would be wor- working entertainment and television as a writer. But it, as you said, like costume is also part of the character and it part is. of the story. hundred um, percent. So I found a way to do it just, just you in a did. way I didn't expect. <laughs> Yes, it's still important though. I mean, and that's something that I won't say every single show is exactly like this. I think Buffy kind of stands above the rest in how well it tells stories with what its characters are wearing. Um, but you see this in shows all the time, the color palettes and even the style choices they pick for characters informs us about the character even before they've even opened their mouth and said a word. And so it's so important, even little things like what jewelry they're wearing, it t- it's part of the story. And I think that's really, really cool. I'm glad you appreciate those details because I think I, think <laughs> I learned along the way to, you know, to, to really understand that as well. And that some shows do it a lot more than others, you know, Every show right. is different. Every costume designer is different, but they're all working, like you said, to sort of inform the character, build the character, and tell a story visually. You know, without needing the character to explain um, what they're feeling, what they're going through, you know, where they've been, and, and where they'd like to go. And costume and makeup and hair is all a part of that. And I especially think that audiences often don't don't realize the kind of work that goes into building a, a show, a movie, um, and that all of these details are really are thought out and planned and um because I've done you know I've met with fans and, and done shows and different things where people are like oh I didn't I thought they went to Tiffany's and all, the actors all bought their own jewelry and it's like actually no you know there is someone who like puts it together and and plans it out and <laughs> just a bit more thought that went into a that a just a bit, bit. <laughs> a little bit, little bit yeah so can you tell us about some of the other shows that you have put some of your pieces mm-hmm. on or that you've worked with I think I mentioned Pretty Little Liars. Um, so it's like the final season of that show. And I, I think I, I may have jumped up and screamed when I got the email um, for that oh. because, <laughs> like you, I think I, I was a huge fan of the show. And that was another show yeah. that was known for its fashion. Um, yes, yes. So, you know, being really, you know, having iconic characters with all very distinct style. So it was super exciting to get to get that email. Um Heart of Dixie is another one that I love, another one with fabulous, fabulous fashion. So it was really, you know, like you said, I, I felt really honored that they thought my stuff was appropriate for these characters mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really fashion sort of forward and quirky. And I love that. Uh, Arrow is another one that I love. A lot of my pieces were worn by the character Felicity Smoke. Who, oh, I love Felicity. Who I adore. And, you know, she's, uh, she was my favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your glasses are a little bit like Felicity. Oh, I like to think I legitimately jumped up and screamed when um, the Arrow and Felicity, like he proclaimed his love to her, Stephen Amell's character. Yeah. And I was like, this never happens. The girl with the glasses yeah. and the nerdy girl like never gets the hot guy. <laughs> so true. And and Felicity was such a great character. You know, she was smart yeah. and strong, but nerdy and quirky. Um, yeah. 
she dressed conservatively, but it was still like sexy. So totally, it was super cool to to see so many pieces on Felicity, and I loved that she had a lot of great earrings. She, I did notice that yeah. she liked her ponytails. <laughs> hey, really so she needed a lot of ear adornment. She yeah. did. Yep. Yeah. So, so that was really fun, um, and it was a really great show to have my stuff on. Um, more recently, I would say there's um, Riverdale, which again I think mm-hmm. I love Riverdale. It's kooky, wacky, <laughs> super weird, and I love it. And so as, as you can see, like I'm kind of a fan first. And for me, it's like if I love a show, yes. then I'm like, I, I want my stuff on it, man. Like, Yeah. That show's super cool. Um, Do you normally contact the show first or has it gotten to the point where people know that your stuff has been on shows and they contact mm-hmm. you? How does that work? Mm-hmm. A little mix of both. I mean, like w- okay. when Cynthia left Buffy, she was super, you know, super awesome and kind. And when she got on a different show, she'd contact me and say, That's "Hey, I'm, I'm on a new show. Send over stuff." Wow. Um, and so there's, a, you know, there's word of mouth behind the scenes, and um, Cynthia would give my name to other people, other designers, and I managed to get my stuff on different shows that way. But I've done a lot of outreach as well, and and I'll reach out and try and contact uh, the costume designers on different shows, the one, you know, ones that I love and, and think would be a yeah, good yeah. fit. And think would be a good fit. And um, yes, see if there there's any need for jewelry. So yeah, it's a it's a mix of both. I um I told Tabby and Leah when I told them I was going to be interviewing you, I was like, guys, guess which show her jewelry has been on? They're like, what? And I was like, The Bachelorette, because they're like huge fans. And they were like, oh my gosh, ask her about working on Hannah Brown's, because I think it was Hannah Brown's season. Mm-hmm. And was it Claire's as well? Which I was like, those are two of some of the best seasons, man. Becca's season. People love Becca's, Becca's style. And she's a beautiful woman, of course. So that yeah. doesn't hurt. Um, same with Hannah. You know, they have uh, Carrie Fetman, who's like the main stylist for the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she he's just so great with, um, you know, there's the glam side of The Bachelorette, which my stuff isn't really the glam side. But mm-hmm. so usually my stuff would be worn by The Bachelorette when it's hometowns or, mm-hmm. um, you know, when it's like before fantasy suites when they're in a tropical location. And it was kind of mm-hmm. funny, like this for this current season, when I sent stuff in for them, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I was a little late in, con- in contacting them and reminding them like, hey, do you want some pieces? And um, they're like, oh, your stuff's, it's it's fine that you're late. You know, uh, your stuff is better for for warm weather locations anyways, because of course they always go somewhere tropical towards the end. Right, the right. Season. So I was like, okay, good. <laughs> Got to pull out the bikini. <laughs> yeah, pull out the bikini, be on the beach. Uh, so I don't, again, like the production companies, you know, the, the people working on these shows are so busy. They don't, tell me if stuff is used. They don't, I don't know necessarily in advance if anything's going to be used. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for this season of The Bachelorette. I definitely sent them some stuff, but, but you never know. And with The Bachelorette, it also depends on the leads. Like some leads love a lot of jewelry. Some leads don't want to wear a lot of jewelry. You know, it, it's guided by The Bachelorette and their taste and style, which, you know, I totally understand and respect. So tell us a little bit about some of your inspiration for your collections that you make. Um, do you ever design anything? <laughs> I don't know. If I were you, I'd be like, ooh, there's this show that I really like and I feel like this style would work really well. Do you ever design something and say, <laughs> hey, <laughs> look what I made over here? Or you know, what is your inspiration? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, around the Buffy time, you know, I was a poor, struggling writer and, you know, I think – like a lot of people, I'd go through stores and see pieces that I loved, but I couldn't necessarily afford them. And I 
thought to myself, hey, I can make that for myself, right? So I found a way to make pieces inspired by stuff that was trending at the time. And you're probably too young to have experienced this at the time, but around Buffy time, like uh, Swarovski crystal stretchy bracelets were like a huge thing and people just had stacks of them. it uh, it was a trend. So like one of the pieces I made for Buffy was like this float. It was like a mix of the tin cup necklace, which was the, you know, mm-hmm. Kim Costner, Renee Russo movie. And she had this necklace that was pearls that looked like they floated. And that was like a huge trend at the time as well. So I sort of mashed up those two trends. I took Swarovski crystals and I made them on an illusion cord. So they, so it looks like crystals float essentially uh, when you wear it. So that was sort of like my mashup cool. at the time. So I'm definitely influenced by current trends um, what's happening, what I see out there. Also, in those early designing times, I was using a lot of vintage. Maybe that's why Cynthia, Cynthia liked the pieces mm-hmm. as well. I was doing mm-hmm. a lot of vintage shopping and going to like fabric stores and sort of sourcing materials from different places, you know, not necessarily from a, a bead store or straight up, you know, jewelry materials. I was sort of experimenting with like fabrics and ribbons and fiber and uh, vintage belt buckles and buttons and things like that at the time. I think, you know, since then, my, my look has evolved to be a little uh, more inspired by the stone, different gemstones I'm using. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have a love of nature and natural materials, so I sort of try and gravitate towards that. And it's sort of come down to be a little more streamlined, feminine, sort of simple and dainty. And that's sort of, I think, where where trends have gone as well. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think my look is, is pretty contemporary. And, you know, I myself actually... <laughs> don't wear a lot of jewelry, probably don't wear any jewelry, actually, <laughs> except maybe, you know, that's so a funny. few pieces. I don't even have pierced ears. Uh, but I think it gives me a lot of it, it frees me up in a lot of ways, uh, creatively. So I sort of can, mm. I will make I, I have a lot of fun sort of having an eclectic variety of designs and, and being able, feeling free to sort of explore a certain design, um, you know, aspect or philosophy or color or style and then totally. and pivot and sort of do something else. I don't feel married to a particular design or aesthetic. It's a weakness. Yes. It's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. It's like kind of a weakness right. in that there isn't maybe a strong, you know, design aesthetic going on, but at the same time it fulfills me pr- creatively because I get to explore a lot of different techniques and materials and styles. Yeah. You're kind of like a blank slate there. You can just be like, all right, well, I don't have a particular gravitational pull towards any particular style. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I had I recently had a, a costume designer request, and I don't think I can even mention what the project was because I'm still sort of <laughs> waiting to see. <laughs> yeah, if it's going to go through. If it's going to go through, um, but uh, this costume designer had me make pirate jewelry at, at one point for the a SpongeBob movie, the last the SpongeBob That's Sponge so on the funny. Run, <laughs> and um, which was live action plus animation, so there were there yeah. were human characters, and and she was like, I need pirate jewelry. And so I like made some pieces just like for fun and, and she loved them. So she had another project, uh, sort of, I would, I would call them space pirates. Mm-hmm. And so I was sort of diving back into like chunky, sort of really funky materials and pieces. And that's sort of where those chunky, de- these recent ch- chunky designs sort of came from. So yeah, you know, everything, everything on the site is stuff that I'm, I love also, right? Like sort of my dream jewelry box. And- <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. I definitely have my eye on a few of the Buffy pieces for Christmas because um, – and we're kind of – as we're making our way through season four, it's kind of like a little lookbook. I'll see something that Buffy is wearing and I'm like, ooh, 
that looks like something that Peggy Lee has made. Or, you know, it, like you have a very distinctive style. Thank it's you. pretty easy to pick I mean, out. Like I said before, I was doing a lot of vintage back then. So sadly, you know, some of those pieces from Buffy were truly one of a kind, you know, and, and at, the, at that time I wasn't, it's not like I planned to have a business around it. It was like, you know, right. one of a kind pieces, I would just send them off and be like, please use, I love this piece, please use it. Right. Um, and it was the only one. <laughs> in existence. So, sadly. Sadly. Okay. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. So, okay. So speaking of Buffy, two questions for mm-hmm. you. So first off, do you have a favorite piece mm-hmm. that you sent over to Buffy? And then secondly yeah. is what's your favorite episode of Buffy? Because we have to ask that. Yes. I mean, looking back on the Buffy pieces now, you know, there are so many favorites. I, I will say there's one like I said, a made of vintage. It was vintage mother of pearl carved flowers. And it was like, I wired it together. Um, and it's a necklace that Tara wears. And it was one of a kind. And I, I loved that piece. I think also, for me, the most, you know, iconic Buffy piece that I created is the floating crystal piece that um, Buffy wears in two different colors. She wears one in pinks, and then she wears one in blues. And, um, you know, I had made that necklace myself for myself to wear, um, Aww, and you know, that's so ended sweet. up sell- sending it to the show, and they used it on the show. So that was that was super. That's fun. so cool. And, uh, that's really cool. Do you remember which episode it is? <gasps> I'm gonna. I know. I just put you on the spot. No, I have it in front <laughs> of me, so I'm cheating. Um, oh, it good. was Wild at Heart wears one in blue, and then in the freshman. So first season four episode, I was like, okay, is my stuff going to be on the show? And there it was on The Freshman. That is so Season four. All right. Well, when we get to Wild at Heart, I'm going to keep my eye out for that and be like, that was Peggy's. And then she sent it. (laughs) sent it over. (laughs) Best part of that episode. All right. So as a Buffy fan yourself, do you have a favorite episode? Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – it's going to be everybody, one of everybody's favorites, which is Hush, because it's so brilliant and it just you know reinforces the story of she's not really a damsel in distress. She is the hero of her own story mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. the, the cleverness of the premise and the creepiness of the bad guys. It's just an awesome episode and, and I really love that one. It's brilliant. It's so fun. As someone who adores music, I'm very excited to talk about that episode and what all went behind that. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> such a good episode. You can't you can't pick a wrong episode, <laughs> except for maybe um, Beer Bad, Beer Bad or, or Wild, um, Into the Woods. Yeah. <laughs> or no, yeah, Wild, Wild Heart was the sadly. other one. <laughs> Wild Heart, sadly, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> we'll hopefully redeem that one a little bit. <laughs> All right. So in on your bio, when I was reading it, you said you want to be a screenwriter, an entomologist, and a pastry chef, which all very different eclectic mm-hmm. things. Do you have any plans or goals other than making jewelry, anything that you're working towards, any projects that you are Ooh, excited about or that's a really, want to yeah, do? That's a really great question. Um, luckily with writing, like something with writing, I always feel like you can sort of go back to it anytime. I, I would love mm-hmm. to, you know, someday go back to maybe creative writing and, and giving that another another go. Um yeah, you know, my husband and I are sort of like, we're getting we're not getting any younger and uh we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, no, we don't have any kids and um we're gonna get a puppy soon, so that'll be a oh, project. Girl. Uh, <laughs> so we'll have a fur baby. 
Um, but yeah, no, it's a, I think I'm asking myself that very question now. You know, I've been doing, having, I've had this jewelry business for about, you know, over 20 years. It was part time for a long time. I did it as a side hustle for a really long time. I think really hanging on to that, you know, feeling of, and we discussed a little before this podcast, that idea that you feel like you need a job and yes, um, right. having a job is respectable or whatever. Yes, whatever and, that means. Uh, whatever that means. And so it was a side business, a hobby for a long time. And then finally, you know, I was burning the candle at both ends and I told my job like, hey, something's got to give, I, I got to leave. And they were like, oh, well, work part time for a while. So I was really fortunate. I was working for Electronic Arts at the time. Hey, um, The Sims. That's my childhood the Sims right there. <laughs> there you go. I was I was in marketing um, for an online games, sort of casual games division yeah. they had there. And uh, they're like, work part-time. I was like, okay, don't ask me twice. So did that for a while. And, you know, the golden handcuffs were sort of real. It was like I felt really – I was really worried that if I did jewelry full-time, I wouldn't enjoy it as much if it were my job job. Yes. Yep. Day job. Um, but, you know – I, I've been really lucky in that sense that I've been able to do things creatively and grow it sort of my own way, and it grew organically. and um, And today, it's like I said, it was it's still a small business, kind of a labor of love, and um, it gets to be this mix of stuff that I love to do and make, as well as share with other people and work with other creative people, like costume designers, to sort of bring those creative visions to life. So that's you know they give my stuff extra life by using it, which is which is amazing. Um, so. While it, yeah, it's hard to sort of imagine what else I would be doing. Um, I would love to maybe teach more. I love doing podcasts like this because I love to share the story and and try and encourage people. Like if you have a creative bet, an idea even, or something you'd love to do, there there are many different ways to go about it. And for me, it was a a hobby, a side hustle for a really long time. And, you know, there's no shame in that. It's like it was very creatively fulfilling and, you know, it's taken me all these years to sort of redefine what success means for me mm-hmm. as well. I think mm-hmm. there's definitely been moments along the way where I'm like, why aren't I like a huge business right now? Or, you know, mm-hmm. how, why haven't I really aggressively grown it in, in a way? And mm-hmm. at the same time, I've come to the conclusion. It's like, you know what, if it, if it was meant to be that way, I would have done it and it would mm-hmm. be that way. And I think this is the right sized business for me. It, it, fulfills me creatively. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the biggest gift mm-hmm. and, and a real privilege in and of itself. You know, I have, I can't complain about that. Totally. It's so funny talking to creative people. And as someone who I like to think of myself as a creative person, but I, something that I've noticed that we all have in common is we're usually not creative in just one area. I like when I saw your bio, I chuckled a little bit when you're like, oh, I love this and I love this. And I was like, that's a truly creative person, someone who just enjoys making things and using your brain and just creating beauty in the world and telling stories. And I don't know, I just, I think the world needs more creative people. And I think you are an inspiration um, for those of us who are out here and are like, man, like you have to be, you know, making it huge or whatever to be truly creative. No, like you can be small, you can be doing a bunch of things and you can still make it on Buffy. You can still, you know, (laughs) do all of that stuff and still also enjoy what you're doing too, you know? So I don't know. I think that I, I'm just, I'm very impressed with you. Oh, well, that's really awesome, Sarah. That's so kind. (laughs) Makes me feel really good. (laughs) Oh, good. That's really sweet. Yeah. I mean, I think I just have, you know, and and this is an attribute that I love seeing in other people like yourself, which is just having a curiosity about mm. 
the world and and wanting to know, you know, I think I made jewelry because I was curious, like, oh, I yes. saw something I liked. I'm like, oh, I wonder how that's made. I wonder if I could make it. Right. And it's really just those baby steps. Um, and then it was like, oh, what's what's having a business like? I had no idea. Then it was like, well, maybe right. I can do it. What if I just, you know, built a website? Uh, what if I just put pieces on it that people could buy? What would that be like? And, you know, I never sort of thought, no, I can't do that. And it was more like, well, let's see what happens if I did. And, and just, you know, maybe it was naivete at the time or just not knowing, you know, being young and not knowing. Um, but yeah, I feel like that attitude has served me well. Yes. <laughs> and, and I would encourage anybody who has, like you said, you, I'd love to know what your creative, you know, dreams are. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just, you know, it's great to have big dreams it's not, don't be afraid to have small goals and sort of try and reach for those small goals. It can be really satisfying. And, and you never know what the next step is, where the next step is going to lead you. So then one of my last questions for you is what advice would you give to artists or creators or people who are starting? I know you mentioned the curiosity thing, Mm -hmm. um, but what advice would you give to those people who are like, man, like, I don't know if I should try this thing that I'm really excited about. Um, I don't know if anybody would be interested in it or they have tried it and they're like, ah, I just don't feel like I'm making it big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we touched on it a little, but I think, you know, do it for yourself first and foremost. And um, if you have that itch or that curiosity, explore it. I mean, there's really no, and there's so many resources out now in the world where you can get information in terms of like there's YouTube uh, to learn all sorts of techniques and learn about different creative uh, endeavors and, or, you know, your local library. I, my first jewelry classes were through like local rec center classes, you know, community classes, community college, um, you know, I, local bead stores when people would come and, and have less teach lessons on different um, methods and crafts. Those are the kinds of classes that I would take. So there's, you know, Ideally, there's a way to do it in a low-cost way where it doesn't feel like you're maybe committing a ton of resources or money or time to it. Just, but to explore it, like you, you don't know what you don't know until you to get into it. And um, and I think these days you can also find communities of like-minded people who are uh, want to do the same things or are interested in the same crafts or uh, creative endeavors, and and find support of a community if you can. And I think. Uh, yeah, stay curious and, and go for it. Do it for yourself at first and don't necessarily worry about like, can I make this a business? And when you put that kind of pressure on yourself where it's like, oh man, it needs to you know support me or then that that does sort of ruin the, the joy of, of learning something new and, and building something that you can share with others. And, and it doesn't even have to be something that you share necessarily, like share it when you're ready, but you can make it for yourself and, um, for a long time, I was shy about telling people that I had this craft business uh-huh. that I was doing. I was making stuff. It felt kind of silly and frivolous. And I think just the more I told people about it, actually, the more reinforcement I got. You know, instead of it being negative, people were encouraging, being like, that's so cool. You should really do it. And um, I really tried to sort of like, when I would see someone else, you know, a jewelry vendor on the street, you know, a craftsperson and their stuff was awesome. I would try and like screw up the courage to talk to them and be like, yes. Hey, how'd you get started? What advice would you have for me? And more often than not, of course, they were totally cool and nice and had stuff to share. And, 
you know, I remember one woman, I was like in a fancy department store and she had like a trunk show there. She was selling her pieces and I was like, wow, your stuff is really great. And she was like, look, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I get these, some of these pieces from this, this vendor and you should go check them out. And that was so generous, you know, she didn't have to share anything about her resources or how she made her pieces and she just volunteered it. And, you know, so I try, you know, and I like to think I can try and um, help pay that forward as well. That also don't, you know, don't harbor, you don't need to keep things secreted. The more you talk about it, you put it out in the universe. And I don't want to be woo woo. And I don't necessarily believe in <laughs> stuff like the secret or whatever. But at the same time, I will say, put it out in the universe a little bit. And you and you don't know who knows someone who might know someone who knows someone um, who can help you out or encourage you or give you a resource uh, to help you pursue whatever it is you're interested in doing. And, you know, not just crafts, right, but sort of anything that you want to do. And it's funny, I think right now in in the world, like with things like Instagram and TikTok, and it's hard for me to keep up with the latest platform, technology, whatever. Uh, I, I often spiral into these things of like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. What am I doing? I need to be here, there, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so while it's great, I think, to stay on top of what's going on in the world, you know, Try and also have that perspective again of like have your own short-term goals, have your own goals in addition to so, sort of like, you know, if you have these bigger goals and ambitions for your business, sure, great. But also have these little things that are uh, goals that you can achieve and milestones that you want to accomplish and make sure that you're paying attention to that as well. And I think you'll find a lot of fulfillment and, and encouragement along the way um, if you don't let yourself get too caught up in sort of uh, all the other stuff, the bigger stuff, later down the road stuff. <laughs> right. Yes. Ah, oh, I love that. Good advice. And that's good for me to remember too, even like doing the podcast and other future creative adventures. So thank you for that. I love that. Was well, there anything else that you wanted to add? Because I think that's pretty much it for me. No, just that, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for coming on. And where can we find you online? Mm-hmm. You can find me at PeggyLee.com. That's P-E-G-G-Y-L-I.com and at PLC Peggy on Instagram. Yeah. And we'll post your guys' link on our page as well so you can find you. And remember, guys, Christmas gifts, man. I'm <laughs> definitely going to have a couple of your Buffy pieces, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. on my Christmas list. I already told my husband. I was like, hey, Andrew, I already know what I want for Christmas. He's like, oh, let me guess. More Buffy stuff. <laughs> I was like, yes, Buffy wore something like this. He's like, all right. <laughs> no. And we'll be sure to like – I'm going to keep an eye out for it when we're on the podcast and stuff too, talking about your different pieces, which is going to be really fun. It's going to be like Ooh. spot the Peggy Lee creation yeah. this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here, Peggy. This was an absolute blast. I love hearing about your experience, but also just learning from you. You're a very kind and beautiful soul. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. 